0: Book Twelve, Chapter Two of The Rise of David Levinsky. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rise of David Levinsky by Abraham Cayenne. Book Twelve, Miss Tevkin. Chapter Two i was chatting with rivesman the lessee of the hotel across the counter that separated part of his office from the lobby as i have said i had known him for many years he had formerly been in the insurance business and he had at one time acted as my insurance broker he was a talmudist and well versed in modern hebrew literature to boot he advised me concerning trains to tannersville and then we passed to the hotel business and mutual acquaintances presently miss tevkin apparently on her way from her room paused at the counter by my side to leave her key she was dressed for dinner although it was not yet half-past four o'clock and the great saturday evening repast for which train after train was bringing husbands and other weekenders to the mountains was usually a very late affair the dress she now wore was a modest gown of navy blue trimmed with lace the change of attire seemed to have produced a partial change in her identity she was interesting in a new way i thought going to enjoy the fresh air Rivesman asked her gallantly yes she answered pleasantly it's glorious outside and she vanished pretty girl i remarked and a well-bred one too in the real sense of the word one of your two weak guests i suppose i said with studied indifference yes she is a stenographer whereupon he named a well-known lawyer a man prominent in the affairs of the jewish community as her employer it was an admirer of her father who got the job for her from what followed i learned that miss tevkin's father had once been a celebrated hebrew poet and that he was no other than the hero of the romance of which naphtali had told me a few months before i left my native place to go to america and that her mother was the heroine of that romance in other words her mother was the once celebrated beauty the daughter of the famous hebrew writer long since deceased dr Richelis of odessa it was her father then who wrote those love letters i exclaimed excitedly and it was about her mother that he wrote them somebody told me on the veranda that her name was miss tevkin i did think the name sounded familiar but i could not locate it the discovery stirred me inordinately i was palpitating with reminiscent interest and with a novel interest in the beautiful girl who had just stood by my side at my request rivesman followed by myself sought her out on the front porch and introduced me to her as a great admirer of your father's poetry seated beside her was a bald-headed man with a lone wisp of hair directly over his forehead whom the hotel-keeper introduced as Mr. Shapiro, a counselor, and who by his manner of greeting me showed that he was fully aware of my financial standing. The old romance of the Hebrew poet and his present wife, and more especially the fact that I had been thrilled by it in Antomir, through a halo of ineffable fascination around their beautiful daughter so you are the daughter of the great hebrew poet i said in english it's awfully kind of you to speak like that she returned mr levinsky is known for his literary tastes you know shapiro put in i wish i deserved the compliment i rejoined unfortunately i don't I am glad I find time to read the newspapers. The newspapers are life, observed Miss Tevkin, and life is the source of literature, or should be. Or should be, Shapiro mocked her fondly. Is that a dig at the popular novels? And in an aside to me, Miss Tevkin has no use for them, you know. She smiled. Still worshipping at the shrine of Ibsen, he asked her more than ever she replied gaily i admire your loyalty though i regret to say that i am still unable to share your taste it isn't a matter of taste she returned it depends on what one is looking for in a play or a novel she smiled with the air of one abstaining from a fruitless discussion she's a blue-stocking i said to myself women of this kind are usually doomed to be old maids and yet she drew me with a magnetic force that seemed to be beyond my power of resistance it was evident that she enjoyed the discussion and the fact that it was merely a pretext for the lawyer to feast his eyes on her i wondered why a bald-headed man with a lone tuft of hair did not repel her a younger brother of shapiro's a real estate broker joined us he also was bald-headed but his baldness formed a smaller patch than the lawyer's the two brothers did most of the talking and among other things they informed miss tevkin and myself that they were graduates of the city college with a great display of reading and repeatedly interrupting each other they took up the cudgels for the good old school i soon discovered however that their range was limited to a small number of authors whose names they uttered with great gusto and to whom they returned again and again these were victor hugo dumas dickens thackeray george eliot coleridge edgar poe and one or two others if the lawyer added a new name like walter pater to his list the real estate man would hasten to trot out de quincey for example for the rest they would parade a whole array of writers rather than refer to any one of them in particular the more they fulminated and fumed and bullied miss tevkin the firmer grew my conviction that they had scarcely read the books for which they seemed to be ready to lay down their lives miss tevkin however took them seriously she followed them with the air of a good girl listening to a lecture by her mother or teacher i don't agree with you at all she would say weakly from time to time and resume listening with charming resignation the noise made by the two brothers attracted several other boarders one of these was a slovenly-looking man of forty-five who spoke remarkably good english with a very bad accent far worse than mine that he was a talmudic scholar was written all over his face by profession he was a photographer his name was mendelssohn he took a hand in our discussion and it at once became apparent that he had read more and knew more than the bald-headed brothers he was overflowing with withering sarcasm and easily sneered them into silence miss tevkin was happy but the slovenly boarder proved to be one of those people who know what they do not want rather than what they do and so he proceeded in a spirit of chivalrous banter to make game of her literary gods as well you don't really mean to tell us that you enjoy an ibsen play he demanded why you are too full of life for that but that's just what the ibsen plays are full of life she answered if you're bored by them it's because you're probably looking for stories for action but art is something more significant than that there is moral force and beauty in ibsen which one misses in the old masters. That's exactly what the ministers of the gospel or the up-to-date rabbis are always talking about. Moral force, moral beauty, and moral clam chowder, Mendelssohn retorted. The real estate man uttered a chuckle. Would you turn the theater into a church or a reform synagogue? The photographer continued people go to see a play because they want to enjoy themselves not because they feel that their morals need darning but in good literature the moral is not preached as a sermon miss tevkin replied it naturally follows from the life it presents anyhow the other kind of literature is mere froth you read page after page and there doesn't seem to be any substance to it she said it plaintively as though apologizing for holding views of this kind is that the way you feel about thackeray and dickens too i ventured i do she answered in the same doleful tone she went on to develop her argument we did not interrupt her the two brothers the photographer and myself listening to her with admiring glances that had more to do with her beautiful face and the music of her soft girlish voice than with what she was saying there was a congealed sneer on the photographer's face as he followed her plea but it was full of the magic of her presence you're a silly child his countenance seemed to say but i could eat you all the same she dwelt on the virtues of Ibsen, Strindberg, Newthamson, Houtman, and a number of others, mostly names I did not recollect ever having heard before, and she often used the word decadent, which she pronounced in the French way, and which I did not then understand. Now and then she would quote some critic or some remark heard from a friend or from her father, and once she dwelt on an argument of her oldest brother who seemed to be well versed in russian literature and to have clear-cut opinions on literature in general she spoke with an even-voiced fluency with a charming gift of language words came readily pleasantly from her pretty lips it was evident too that she was thoroughly familiar with the many authors whose praises she was sounding yet i could not help feeling that she had not much to say the opinions she voiced were manifestly not her own as though she was reciting a well-mastered lesson and i was glad of it she's merely a girl after all i thought fondly she's the sweetest thing i ever knew and her father is the man who wrote those love letters, and her mother is the celebrated beauty with whom he was in love. Whether the views she set forth were her own or somebody else's, I could see that she relished uttering them. Also, that she relished the euphony and felicity of her phrasing, which was certainly her own. Whether she spoke from conviction or not, one thing seemed indisputable the atmosphere surrounding the books and authors she named had a genuine fascination for her there was a naive sincerity in her rhetoric and her delivery and gestures had a rhythm that seemed to be akin to the rhythm of her movements in the tennis court miss lazar passed by us giving me a smiling look which seemed to say i knew you would sooner or later be in her company i felt myself blushing to-morrow i'll be in tannersville and all this nonsense will be over i said to myself the long-faced short girl with whom miss tevkin had played tennis emerged from the lobby door and was introduced to me as miss siegel as i soon gathered from a bit of pleasantry by the lawyer she was a school teacher. at miss tevkin's suggestion we all went to see the crowd waiting for the last husband train as we rose to go i made a point of asking miss tevkin for the name of the best ibsen play my object being to be by her side on our walk down to the village the photographer hastened to answer my question thus occupying the space on the other side of her we were crossing the sloping lawn miss tevkin on a narrow flagged walk while we were trotting along through the grass on either side of her with the other three of our group bringing up the rear presently as we reached the main sidewalk we were held up by auntie yetta who was apparently returning from one of the cottages across the road is this the one you are after she demanded of me with a wink in the direction of miss tevkin and looking her over you do know a good thing when you see it then to her hold on to him young lady hold on tight mr levinsky is said to be worth a million you know she's always joking i said awkwardly as we resumed our walk miss tevkin made no answer but i felt that auntie Yetta's joke had made a disagreeable impression on her i sought to efface it by a humorous sketch of auntie yetta and seemed to be successful the village was astir the great husband train the last and longest of the day was due in about ten minutes groups of women and children in gala dress were emerging from the various boarding-houses feeding the main human stream some boarders were out to meet the train others were on their way to the post office for letters a sunset of pale gold hung broodingly over the mountains miss tevkin's voice seemed to have something to do with it presently we reached the crowd at the station the train was late the children were getting restless at last it arrived the first of two sections with a few minutes headway between them there was a jam and a babble of voices interminable strings of passengers travel worn begrimed their eyes searching the throng came dribbling out of the cars with tantalizing slowness men in livery caps were chanting the names of their respective boarding-houses passengers were shouting the pet names of their wives or children women and children were calling to their newly arrived husbands and fathers some gaily others shrieking as though the train were on fire there were a large number of handsome well-groomed women in expensive dresses and diamonds and some of these were being kissed by puny but successful-looking men they married them for their money i said to myself an absurd-looking shirt-waist manufacturer of my acquaintance a man with the face of a squirrel swooped down upon a large young matron of dazzling animal beauty who had come in an automobile he introduced me to her with a beaming air of triumph i can afford a machine and a beautiful wife his radiant squirrel face seemed to say he was parading the fact that this tempting female had married him in spite of his ugliness he was mutely boasting as much of his own homeliness as of her coarse beauty prosperity was picking the cream of the bride market for her favorite sons i thought of lenox avenue a great broad thoroughfare uptown that had almost suddenly began to swarm with good-looking and flashily gowned brides of ghetto upstarts like a meadow bursting into bloom in spring and how about your own case a voice retorted within me could you get a girl like fanny if it were not for your money uh but i'm a good-looking chap myself and not as ignorant as most of the other fellows who have succeeded i answered inwardly yes and i am entitled to a better girl than fanny too and i became conscious of miss tevkin's presence by my side conversation with the poet's daughter was practically monopolized by the misanthropic photographer i was seized with a desire to dislodge him i was determined to break into the conversation and to try to eclipse him with a fast-beating heart i began what an array of beautiful women present company with a bow to miss tevkin and her long-faced chum not accepted of course far from it the two girls smiled why why whence this sudden fit of gallantry asked the photographer his sneer and the rasping yiddish enunciation with which he spoke english filling me with hate come mr mendelssohn i answered it's about time you cast off your grouch look the sky is so beautiful the mountains so majestic cheer up old man the real estate man burst into a laugh the two girls smiled looking me over curiously i hastened to follow up my advantage one does get into a peculiar mood on an evening like this i pursued the air is so divine and the people are so happy that's what we all came to the mountains for the photographer retorted ignoring his remark i resumed it may seem a contradiction of terms but these family reunions these shouts of welcome are so thrilling, it makes one feel as if there was something pathetic in them. Pathetic? The bald-headed real estate man asked in surprise. Mr. Levinsky is in a pathetic mood, don't you know? The photographer cut in. Yes, pathetic, I defied him. But pathos has nothing to do with grouch, has it? i asked addressing myself to the girls why no miss siegel replied with a perfunctory smile still i should rather see people meet than part it's heartbreaking to watch a train move out of a station with those white handkerchiefs waving and getting smaller smaller oh those handkerchiefs it was practically the first remark i had heard from her it produced a stronger impression on my mind than all miss tevkin had said nevertheless i felt that i should much rather listen to miss tevkin of course of course i said leave-taking is a very touching scene to witness but still when people meet again after a considerable separation it's also touching don't you think it is yes i know what you mean miss siegel assented somewhat aloofly people cry for joy miss tevkin put in noncommittally. yes but they cry all the same there are tears i urged i had no idea you were such a crybaby mr levinsky the photographer said perhaps you'll feel better when you've had dinner but i thought you said this weather made you happy it simply means that at the bottom of our hearts, we Jews are a sad people, Miss Tevkin interceded. There is a broad streak of tragedy in our psychology. It's the result of many centuries of persecution and homelessness. Gentiles take life more easily than we do. My father has a beautiful poem on the theme but then the russians are even more melancholy than we are russian literature is full of it my oldest brother who is a great stickler for everything russian is always speaking about it always referring to her papa and her brother i thought what a sweet child presently she and her long-faced chum were hailed by a group of young men and women and excusing themselves to us they ran over to join them i felt like a man sipping at a glass of wine when the glass is suddenly seized from his hand some time later i sat on a cane chair amid flower-beds in front of the rigi comb. "'inhaling the scented evening air "'and gazing down the sloping side of the lawn. "'Women and girls were returning from the post office, "'many of them with letters in their hands. "'Some of these were so impatient to know their contents "'that they were straining their eyes to read them "'in the sickly light that fell from a sparse row of electric lamps. "'I watched their faces.' In one case, it was quite evident that the letter was a love message, and that the girl who was reading it was tremendously happy. In another, I wondered whether the missive had come from a son. It was for Miss Tevkin's return that I was watching, but the dinner gong sounded before she made her appearance. End of chapter two. Recording by Gloria Begaman, Somerville, South Carolina.